Welcome to Bell Curve with Mary Scott, Rachel, and Liz, three friends, three Southern Bells, joining you, smart women, to discuss life, work, relationships, business, everything from the nerdy to the normal, the practical to the philosophical, the head to the heart. Thanks for joining us as we observe, analyze, and often deviate from the standard. So we have been talking lately about ways to take control of your life and make tough changes to improve your life. And today we're going to talk about making hard health choices. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel Breyers, joined by Mary Scott Hunter and Lizbeth Shears. And I am very, very, very passionate about today's episode. Not just because we are actually all three in the same room and we are never in the same room. We're usually doing this over Skype. So For the first hi. time ever. And we're wearing the same t-shirts <laughs> that Mary Scott got with our logos on it. They're so adorable. But I am super, super passionate about this, this topic because I don't know, maybe you, like me, like really we three have at times taken stock of how your life is going and thought, you know, if I don't change something, I really don't know that I can keep going this way. And we all know that change takes real effort and intention and can be pretty hard, particularly if we're having to change physical and mental habits. I recently read an article about a 2018 MIT neuroscience study that talked a little bit about why it's so hard to change automated habits and behaviors. Wait, did she say neuroscience study? Really? (laughs) Y'all, if I could go back, I would have studied neuroscience. It's so fascinating. I feel like the human mind is just this frontier. You're a total nerd, but we love you anyway. I I really so am. Sorry, I interrupted your stream of thought there. You're doing great. But I didn't realize this, that, you know, our brains have what they call these firing actions that at the beginning of a task or a thought, our brains fire in certain ways. And if it's a pretty automatic task, like say brushing our teeth, our brain will go on autopilot during the task and we don't have to work very hard. And then the brain fires again at the end to complete the task. It's sort of like a cluster of firing at the end. But doing something different, changing a habit means that our brains have to fire and work throughout the whole ta- the whole task, and huh. that's really taxing. Did you know that? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, of course I knew that. <laughs> so changing thoughts and habits, you know, isn't at all just about willpower, though that is certainly involved, but there are very real physiological realities that we have to tackle as well. And so... I really wanted to talk today about tackling our health habits in three categories because in the past year, I'd say that's where that's where I've really focused the majority of some of my major life changes, getting my body healthy so I can be a better mother, a better wife, a better worker, and really just to regain a life spark that I feel like I lost to some extent more than a year ago when I found myself the heaviest weight-wise that I'd ever been outside of when I've been pregnant, feeling like I had less energy than ever before struggling with feeling isolated, maybe a little depressed and just sort of foggy minded. I was working too much. I'd really just roll out of my bed really early, feeling exhausted, feeling like I could never get a good night's sleep, go straight to the computer to work. Then after dropping the kids off at school, I'd grab a fast food breakfast of champions, sit back down at the computer all day without usually even standing up to stretch, sit back down once the kids went to bed to work. I was working all the time and on weekends and not making time for community or friendships and slowly becoming very sedentary and unhealthy. I think sometimes it takes our loved ones to point things out to us. I definitely have workaholic tendencies. 
Pepper says, I kind of go into this time and space warp trying to make the perfect product. And so he's kind of had to call me out several stick times during our marriage and just say, hey, you're letting work get out of hand. And so anyway, I set out to make these like major health changes about a year and a half ago, and they have 1000% improved everything about my well-being this year. And I'm so, so, so much happier than I was. And so I just have to sort of gush a little about being on the other side of some of these changes. And so I really want to bring up to y'all today three crucial areas that I feel like sometimes you just have to assess and make some changes in. And those are sleep, food, and working out. I want to start with sleep. And let me just throw it out to you guys first. What do you think about your sleep habits? And if you have made a change in recent years, maybe tell us what you have done. All right. So at Christmas time, my husband gave me a this Fitbit and I was so opposed. In fact, I I don't like wearing a smartwatch. I and I work <laughs> just don't I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like it's controlling me instead of I'm controlling it. That's so on brand, Mary Scott. <laughs> So I said, all right, I'll try the fitness tracker. And I did. And the first thing that it did was start tracking my sleep. And I realized I was not getting good sleep. I wasn't sleeping enough. When I went to sleep, I wasn't sleeping deeply. So a lot of it was just changing. That's what they call sleep hygiene, you know, getting, getting started a little earlier, turning off the TV, drinking some tea, reading a book, you know, screen time is not good. If you're trying to go to sleep, don't turn the TV on. So just kind of changed some little things and started playing around with it. And all of a sudden, the fog lifted. I didn't even realize that I was kind of foggy from lack of sleep. And it was just the difference of getting about 20 minutes extra sleep and about three or 4% more deep sleep. It wasn't really a big change. I put a plant in my room because you told me to, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, I did. I tried that. I can't say that did much, but um, I don't know. John said it made the room smell nicer. (laughs) (laughs) A little jasmine never hurt anybody. Snake plant, maybe. I don't know what kind of plant it is, but it's a a green plant. Um, so, uh, so it was, it did make a difference and it made a difference in my thinking and my moods. And yeah, I have a somewhat similar story. My husband is one of those people who can just lay his head down in a pillow and fall asleep instantly. So annoying. God, drives me nuts. Because when I go to bed, there's like this long, long system of washing my face and getting ready for bed and then reading until I fall asleep and then waking up and turning off the light and putting the book down and then like, okay, I got to fall back asleep somehow. And he has never understood, why don't you just get in bed when you're ready to go to bed? Well, when I get in bed is when I start getting ready to go to bed. (laughs) I don't fall asleep easily. And you can ask my sister, uh, who I shared a room with for years and years when we were younger, I've never been able to fall asleep easily. It's my entire life. It's just how I've been. And I, I, a very similar thing to what you were saying, Mary Scott, is I had kind of a brain fog, I think, because I wasn't getting quality sleep. So one of the things I've done in the last couple of months is I downloaded an app called Sleep Cycle. And I think you have a month-long free trial, but then after that, there's a little subscription fee. But it does what your, what your fitness tracker does, and it, it measures how much you move when you're asleep, how deep your sleep is, whether or not you're snoring. And then the thing I really love about it is you, right before you set it, you tell it, okay, I had a stressful day. I worked out today. I ate late. And you can, you can put all these different categories in there for 
things that might be affecting your sleep. The biggest one I have found is there is a 10% decline in the quality of my sleep if I've had any alcohol that day. So cutting out alcohol has drastically improved the quality of my sleep. So no alcohol for you tonight at dinner? I might have a glass of wine. We'll see. (laughs) Oh, well, I wouldn't want you to sleep poorly. It'd be Mary Scott's fault. (laughs) So that, I mean, that hasn't necessarily made it easier for me to fall asleep, but it has helped me make better decisions about what I do during the day to help me have better quality sleep at night. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I read some interesting research about how short sleep can really affect your long-term health and that actually in Alabama, we get shorter sleep as Alabamians than most of the country. So I got interested in sleep because y'all, my nickname in college was narco, not for narcotics, but for narcolepsy (laughs) because I could fall asleep at just the drop of the hat in class, sitting up straight, standing up on the bus with my soccer teammates on the way to games. I mean, it was just this co- this source of constant humor. Well, little did I know, I went to a sleep doctor and I actually have narcolepsy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's so funny and it is not an extreme case. So like there's no need to feel anything but like laughter at this. But I've had a lot of head injuries. And so, you know, just concussions through sports and just random things. And that can trigger narcolepsy. So a lot more people have narcolepsy than is probably presumed. But um, I just could never feel like I got a good night's sleep. So I went to the sleep doctor. They slept overnight. They hooked up all the nodes to my head. And after asking some other questions, made this diagnosis. And really, there's nothing you can do about it except take this certain medicine and I took that medicine for a little bit and I hated it. It really affected me in weird ways. So I didn't take it and you can take naps during the day. And I'm really not going to do that either. So I got on this real kick of trying to figure out how to improve my sleep in other ways. So as part of my sleep overhaul a year ago, I decided that I was just going to, you know, do some research and find out what I could. And I found a book called sleep smarter by Sean Stevenson. And I really just urge everyone pause the episode now Put this book in your library cart or your Amazon cart and read it and take as much of his advice as you can. I will say that some of it is a little bit woo-woo, if you know what I mean. <laughs> woo-woo. Little, little woo-woo. in your room. You'll sleep better. Yeah, sometimes a little woo-woo. He's not a doctor, you know, and I'm kind of the kind of person who, like, will check out that study in the bibliography and read it and be like, does that really mean what you meant? So, you know, I'm not making any kind of promises about his expertise. But I will say I took so much of his advice, and I am very much sleeping better. So um, some of the changes that we made, I didn't realize how much light was in my bedroom, coming through the window, coming from all the computers and gadgets, even coming from like the fire alarm or the smoke detector or whatever's in your room, just emitting all this light. So that's we, something I've noticed too, is that everything that has electricity going to it seems to have a bright LED on it. That is just so obnoxious like in in our bedroom the air conditioning unit that we have in there has one on a bright green one the television that i want to get out of the bedroom has a bright blue one um the my phone charger has a bright blue one everything that's that's plugged into the wall has a bright 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 led on it of the light go away that's not good not good for sleeping so we went we just painstakingly you know we bought those electric um, electronic black sticker Things. I don't know if you've, you can get them on Amazon on all kinds of sizes. And we just went through the whole room and just covered every single source of light um, with these stickers. We you know, hung up blackout blinds. 
it just was great. So now when I wake up in the middle of the night, I could put my hand in front of my face and I won't be able to see it. I mean, it's pitch black, but I feel like that's a good test. If maybe you're wondering, do I have a lot of light? Set your alarm for the middle of the night, wake up. And when your eyes are trying to adjust to the light, just look around. And if you're like me, you will be so surprised by how much light is bombarding you. And I think that was really uh, disrupting my sleep. So we also did things like bought new bedding and a new mattress. I take magnesium supplements. I installed apps to control blue light on my phone and computer. I make sure and get natural light in my eyes really early in the morning. So I'm not going to go into everything I did, but y'all just read that book or find any sleep book and really try to put some of those things into practice because I think it'll help your health a lot. So the second area that I made big changes in is in the category of food and just eating in general. So as long as I've been married, really, I've always cooked dinner every night. I think I've improved a lot. I remember calling my mom some evenings right when we first got married and Pepper was on his way home and I'm like, mom, quick, how do you make spaghetti? Like, how do you brown meat? You know, and I'd just be trying to get it done really quick before he came up the stairs. And, and really those meals have gotten so much healthier over the years. But the past few years, I feel like I've been in a rut of cooking the same cycle of pasta dishes, taco soup, you know, meat and potatoes, just your basic stuff that in a family of seven people, I knew I could get almost everyone to eat. But after realizing that food affects your sleep too, and after seeing myself on camera and I had a bunch of double chins and my clothes didn't fit, a year ago I bought some cookbooks about eating whole real food and started cooking better meals for the family. And that has made a big difference. But the biggest thing I wanna say is that I did the Whole30 challenge. Have y'all done that? Not the Whole30 challenge. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Gonna be so how did I know? How did I know this was leading to this? <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> Y'all, I know I'm gonna be so annoying, but only because this for the record, you totally changed, are. <laughs> I know it honestly changed my life, though. I have to tell you. So I kind of started out. I was like, well, and y'all, I had done everything. Like I had tried this stupid juice fast, where you just are like so hungry after three days, and you want to kill someone, and then you gain all the weight back anyway, and it's just no good. Um, but I was like, well, I'm just going to try this whole 30 thing. And if you know anything about it, which I'm sure you do, because everyone like who's done it like me is annoying and talks about it. <laughs> you have to cut out a bunch of different types of food. So no sugar, no bread, no rice, no wine. I mean, this, the list goes on and on. But so I no did. No cheese. No cheese. It's hard, y'all. But the thing that happened for me is that, yes, I did drop a lot of weight. But when I went to reintroduce my daily latte, which wasn't really even sugary, it was just whole milk and espresso that I made at home, my stomach was so upset. And I realized that milk has just been affecting my body all these years. You know, who, who knows what all that milk was doing to me, but I've completely cut it out. I drink just black coffee. And I feel like just that change alone has transformed my health. Okay, y'all are looking at me like, Bleh, we hate Whole30. <laughs> Tell me your thoughts. No, I, I agree with you that eating better makes you feel better. And, you know, a, a couple of years ago, uh, my husband and I went through some pretty drastic life changes and, and decided to start eating better and it was it was night and day he and I were having this conversation the other day about how our energy in the afternoon is so different than it was when we would have whatever leftover Stouffer's lasagna we had the night before for <laughs> lunch and then just feel like we were going to absolutely pass out at our desks at two o'clock and uh, he, he told me the other days that I had Chick-fil-A for lunch for the first time in forever and at two o'clock I was like 
no wonder everybody feels like garbage in the <laughs> afternoon. No, God, I feel terrible because normally, you know, we have salad and chicken or you know, whatever leftover from a healthy meal we had the night before. A, a thing that's been really helpful for me though is uncoupling food and body image and weight. Uh, because I think for uh, so many women, especially, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but they are coupled of like, I am punishing myself for having a, you know, having a fatty meal over the weekend by eating only salad or only, you know, chicken breast and green beans, <laughs> all those fun, <laughs> all those fun, whole 30 foods. Sweet potato. <laughs> and, and I know we're going to talk about uh, fitness and exercise in a minute. And but coupling it to how I feel when I exercise and how I feel when I move throughout the day, because I can tell a huge difference when I've been eating well, how well I'm able to perform in my spin class or how, how, I'm, how strong I am when I'm lifting weights. And so changing it from what I see in the mirror to what I feel has helped me make better food decisions. So I have psoriatic arthritis, which is a form of rheumatoid arthritis. And I have always been a really disciplined eater. I don't eat a lot of sweets. I don't eat a lot of salty foods. I have my foods that are kind of my, like I really love French fries and it's hard for me to resist French fries. But for the most part, I am a pretty disciplined eater and have been. But I, three months ago, I decided as a goal, I wanted to see if I was in remission from my arthritis. And with my doctor's help and, you know, fully with his permission, and he was on board with it, we decided to take me off my meds completely. So I am off them. And I went also at the same time on what's called a low inflammation diet. So there's certain foods that help. I mean, there are powerhouses that reduce inflammation, turmeric, ginger, garlic, chili powder, there are certain foods that just really help. So you add those and you reduce the ones that cause inflammation. Alcohol tends to cause inflammation. Excess sugar causes inflammation. So I eat a plant-based, low-fat, low-sugar diet. Now, that low-fat means lean meats. It doesn't mean I never have a steak. It doesn't mean that I never have a slice of pie. It doesn't mean that I never have a glass of wine. But I try to eat all those. If I'm going to have a steak, I'm going to have a steak. And it's, you know, I'm going to just do that. And I know that I'm going to do that you know, a week or two in advance. And so, so far, I am still in remission. I have no wow. symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. So... That has been a real victory, and that's a goal of mine. And part of that was changing my diet, and I have to do different kinds of exercises. I need to do low-impact exercises. So, yeah, diet has been a big cornerstone of my life. And the fog brain, I don't get from a diet issue. I, I eat really healthy, but I also eat really repetitively. So the low-inflammation diet drove me to add different foods in. You know, I never thought about eating this much ginger. I ate a lot of ginger now. I ate a lot of cinnamon. I add a lot of things that reduce inflammation, and I cut out the things that tend to cause it. Have you ever tried golden milk? It's a it's coconut milk with turmeric and ginger in it. It's really tasty. I got some from Shader Joe's the other day. You should try it. It has all of those things you were just talking about. <laughs> Thank you. This is why we do bell curve. <laughs> Probably our listeners are out there going, I have something for her. If you have something for me that helps on your low inflammation diet, please email me. I want it. I need it because it's really it's something I'm real serious about. Well, something that I think I realized when I was doing the whole 32 was I think I emotionally would eat just say 
a brownie or something. And like, it, I, it, I knew it would make me feel sick later, but there was just that wanting a quick hit, like a quick emotional pick me up or something. And I, and I think going without it for a while, I was just like, I don't know that I actually like this. Like I still do, you know, I really will enjoy like a wonderful piece of cake or something like that, but just your average, here's this Oreo, you know, I think I've gotten to a point where now I can say, that's going to make me feel rotten. It doesn't even taste that good. And sort of trying to figure out what, what am I trying to solve by eating it? Cause I, I just, I think I tend to eat to solve problems. I definitely have a, a, I'm bored. What can I put in my mouth? <laughs> I'm bored. Therefore I'm hungry. What's in the pantry. And honestly, working from home has made that more difficult of, Oh, well, I've got a little break in work and I'm kind of bored and you know, I could eat what's in the pantry mm. and I uh, got in the bad habit of, of keeping like dried fruit in there because it's healthy, Ooh, but, it's, but it's not, <laughs> Lots of calories. it's not dried fruit is fine in small doses, but in large doses, it's basically candy. And uh, so I had to figure that out the hard way. Try it for the, for those of you that love dried fruit, it is very good for intense training. Because it has lots of calories. Right. It's very good for if you're going to like be, you know, hiking the Appalachian Trail. But not if you're sitting in front of a computer for eight hours. Not so much. Talking about what you have in your house, we made a decision this past year, really for the kids' sake, that I was going to let them buy their lunch at school every day so that we never had that convenient snack food in the house. And so I'm not saying that school lunches are healthy. They're absolutely not. But, you know, what you buy, like goldfish packs and Oreo packs and all those things that you throw in the lunches, well, then the kids were coming home and they were stuffing their faces with goldfish again right before dinner. So I just said, okay, they're going to have one meal a day that's probably not the healthiest. So I'm going to let that be at school, and I'm just not going to buy this stuff at all. And that that helped, I think, their weight and their energy levels. And, you know, I wasn't going in the pantry and grabbing a handful of goldfish either. Can I tell you all a funny story Please. that really just kind of sheds some light on, on my food issues and personality? <laughs> my grandmother and great aunt, as after my granddaddy passed away, my grandmother and great aunt, their sisters uh, moved back in together and lived in a beautiful house in rural North Carolina together for a long, long time. And I was visiting them a couple of years ago. And we had dinner and every, after every meal, y'all, no joke, after lunch and dinner, there's dessert. They are teeny tiny little women who grew up (laughs) in the depression and, and, you know, have never struggled with weight in their lives and and eat very sensible meals and very healthy meals, but they're going to have a brownie after lunch and they're going to have a brownie and ice cream after dinner. And at that point, I think James and I were doing you know, low carb or no carb or you know something like that. And I was like, no, thank you. I'm not going to have a brownie after after lunch. And they looked at me with the most horrified expressions. <laughs> like, how how could you possibly eat this meal and not have a brownie afterward? <laughs> and I started thinking about it. I was like, man, I had a cookie after dinner every night when I was growing up because my mom always had cookies in the house. And we didn't eat you know just tons and tons of them. But so to this day, if I finish a meal, I crave something sw- like slightly sweet. So how do I fix that? Can y'all tell me? I, I do. I have a suggestion for that. So I keep dark chocolate in the house, individually wrapped. Little Dove chocolates are great. So good. Um, and have one of those and have a cup of tea. And if you just have to have something sweet in your tea, stevia is pretty good. And that, if you just give yourself a little time, it'll 
it'll it'll pass. It'll check that mark. Yes, it'll yeah. Um, I read a book at the beginning of this year called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. I think that's how you pronounce it. D U H I G G. And one of the things he talks about is when you're trying to fix a bad habit, it's you are have much more success if you replace it with a good habit. So you can't just stop stop a, a habit. You can't stop a behavior. Altering it to something that is more helpful is going to be much, much more successful in the long run. So instead of the sleeve of cookies, <laughs> one, cookie. <laughs> one cookie or maybe a little piece of dark chocolate and a cup of tea. Well, and I just think that as Americans, we just have to come to re- to grips with the fact that we don't know much about food as a healer, food as how it affects us. We we just don't. And so I think this is helpful to hear how turmeric is helping your inflammation and, you know, how for me getting rid of milk, like who knew? Elimination diets can be really helpful if you don't exactly know what's bothering you. You know, why does your tummy always hurt? Why do you always feel a little foggy? You know, why do you have rashes? I don't have anything against Whole30. I just really love cheese. (laughs) And I can tolerate it. So don't tell me I'm not allowed to eat cheese. (laughs) Well, y'all, so the next next category that I'd really love to dive into, and this has become even more so than sleep and even more so than food, which I just don't know how that's possible, but it has become the most important of the three changes that I have personally made this past year. And that area of transformation is regularly working out at a gym that really is so convenient. I think I drive past it on my way to all the things, probably six to eight times per day. So that helps. But it's not just working out. It's working out in fitness classes with people and really pushing myself to smile and and meet people around me rather than my usual, which has traditionally been to put in my earbuds, ignore everyone, and sort of meander around the weights and just try not to look very foolish. So once I got the fire in my belly to make some changes, I knew it really would be crucial for me to, you know, get to the gym and make some friends at the same time. So I can't put enough emphasis on the fact that for me, maybe like many of us, if I don't have a team or a coach or a workout partner or someone around me, I'm probably going to just skip working out in favor of working. (laughs) I need a team. I need community. I love doing physical activities with other people. And this one major change, I think I've probably been consistent since January, has sent my well-being just soaring through the roof. I know I'm a better wife and mom. I know I am more clear-minded and focused and productive. Even though it's hard and humbling, like right now I'm taking CrossFit classes. (laughs) And y'all, there are women next to me that are lifting so much weight and I'm looking at them and I'm just holding the like the bar the 45 pound bar and I'm sort of stumbling and like trying I'm like sort of falling over and then the other thing about it's very math oriented so the coaches are yelling out okay you got to do this many reps in this amount of time and they're saying all these like acronyms that don't make sense to me and they have to repeat themselves a lot it is a humbling experience but it's just so much fun so what about you guys so december 26th 2017 i went on a walk and decided i was going to walk every day until the end of january and i was going that was that was the goal i was going to set for myself because i had recognized that i was woefully unhealthy i didn't enjoy working out i had gained a whole lot of weight and felt awful all the time And we had just gone on a vacation with our family to Disney World, and I felt like my knees hurt. I felt miserable being just walking around Disney World, and I didn't want to be one of those people who 
didn't get to do things with their family because they they were so unhealthy. So I started out by walking. Today will be my 576th day in a row, I think, of exercising every day. So I started out as a goal to finish January. And at the end of January, I was like, let's try February too. It's a short month. And so then instead of just a walk every day, and and my my baseline was a mile. I was like, I'm just going to walk a mile every day. And it went to two miles. And then some days I'd walk a 5k. And then I started going to the gym and exercising. And so it just got to be where it was not just a habit, but something that I needed to do to make the day feel complete. Mm -hmm. And just seeing that positive feedback loop of I'm doing more, I'm doing more. And I'm feeling better. And next week, I'm going to finish my certification to be a spin class teacher. Wow. So I went from being the girl who didn't like to work out, didn't like to go to the gym, to being a fitness instructor of sorts. So it, it that has been a completely life-changing habit that I've built that, like I said, I, you know, I, I didn't lose all the weight I've gained since college. I, I don't, you know, I'm not a fitness model, but dang it, I feel a lot better. And for the listeners out there, we're telling you these things because we really do want to encourage you to try. It is wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, wherever you're at in your life, if you're overweight, if you're underweight, if you're uh, struggling with some food thing, if you're, if you're in a fog, try one of these things. I grew up playing sports, every sport. I like to play sports. I'm competitive and I like to win. I like to be on a team that wins or I like to you know swim a race and win the race. So I... I've just always enjoyed the the kind of the competitive aspects of of sports and classes are fun when they're a little competitive. Mm-hmm. I also would strongly encourage our listeners something that helps me is to watch female athletes on TV. Don't get hung up on the Kate Moss look. I mean, that's God. That's ancient now. Who's who is it now? <laughs> <laughs> don't get to get hung up on the skinnies. I mean, they, yes. I mean, that's a, I, I guess don't know a, that that's cool anymore. My teenager tells me it's cool to be thick. That's her word. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, mom, you need to get thick, thick. with two C's. <laughs> so, but, but athletes are like, Oh, Serena. She is. I mean, she rocks those arms, those legs. She's strong. She's, and I, I, to me, that's beautiful. Being able to move your couch is beautiful. Being able to, you know, yes, go on a on a hike on a whim because you want to do that that day. That is that is attractive and go- because you get that confidence that goes with being strong. And I, you can sleep all day long and have the best sleep, and you can eat all the right foods all the time, but nothing gives you confidence like like really pushing yourself in exercise. So. The thing that I have done lately, which is fun, is I have challenged myself to this running regimen. And I go to the gym and I get on the track and it's an indoor track and I walk a half a lap and then I run like there's no tomorrow, like there's somebody chasing me, like the boogeyman is chasing me. I run (laughs) as fast as I can, like chest open, long strides. How long has it think back? How long has it been since you have run like that? Like run as fast as you can, a half a lap, and then I jog a half a lap, and then it starts over. Uh, And it goes just like that. You only go about 10 minutes and then go on to do whatever you're doing. But that feeling of running as fast as I can, it just, and people are looking at you like, what is she doing? But it, it looks good, it feels good, and it gives you confidence. 
Another thing that I found that's really helped me is the external motivation of my Apple Watch. I have the the circles where you, you close the circles. Uh, there's a blue circle to make sure you stand for a little bit every hour. There's a green circle, and that is number of minutes that your heart rate is up above a certain level. Then there's a red circle that is the uh, number of calories you've burned being active. And if you close all the circles, that's that's how you you that's how I've measured the number of days in a row that I've exercised uh, since December 26th. And so now every day when I close all those circles, I get a little ping on it that's like, congratulations, you set a new personal record. And there had definitely been days when I have felt like garbage and didn't want to go exercise. But then I was like, Oh, I'm going to break my streak. I'm at 300 something days. I'm going to break my streak. And then I'm not, I'm not going to get that little ping again. And I'm going to be really sad. Someone's an Enneagram three. <laughs> you think? <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint myself. I've got, I've got to achieve this. I've got to close these, close these rings or else I'm not going to, I'm not going to get that, that little piece of gratification from this thing that I wear on my watch or on my wrist. It's funny that Good you job, say Liz. that about like not wanting to disappoint. Because when I was thinking about why do I tend to not take, not eat the right foods, not get enough sleep, not go work out, it's it's kind of similar. But it's that it's sort of an Enneagram Nine way of doing the same thing, of not ever wanting to let anyone down. Mm. And so that, like to me, the worst fear work wise is that someone would be disappointed in your product. And I think that that can lead someone to just ignore themselves and let life work balance get completely out of whack because like if you're not aware and you're just going 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 down this path trying not to let anyone down Mm -hmm. when if you took care of yourself you could probably take care of your business in a shorter amount of time Mm -hmm. so I want to wrap up just by saying that you know chances are that there's at least probably one area that we've talked about today that maybe you could make a little change in we hope this has been inspiring But as a mom of five, I would just like to say that if you have a little baby or a toddler or small kids at home, you may be listening and just feeling overwhelmed, knowing you're barely surviving the day, much less planning cold food meals or working out or um, doing anything at all within the categories that we have said. You're not getting sleep. You're, you know, eating that goldfish because you just can't think of planning a meal and there is no chance you're going to the gym. And I just want to say that is okay. Um, you can do all these things later. I get it. You're in that stage. So just relax and know that there is plenty of time for that. However, and I want to just say you are enough, you're doing enough, but if you can just do a little something to put that oxygen mask on yourself before you try to serve your family, I just feel like that's such a stage where you're prone to depression. You're prone to anxiety. Just maybe make one change, maybe get blackout blinds or you know, try to improve your sleep in the little ways that you can. I love that you said that because it is we do we have bell curve listeners, we in every age group, we have them in their 20s or 30s, their 40s, up into their 80s. And it is really hard when you're in that baby mode to just do anything. But if you can do anything at all, if you can just do some small thing to help yourself, then that's that that pat yourself on the back and count that as a victory. And maybe don't eat that dessert because the rewards are short-lived and it'll make your day all the harder. That's something that you probably could do no matter who you are. (laughs) 
So or where you are. Or where you are. So wherever you are, whoever you are, we are thinking about you and rooting for you. Please find us on the socials at Bell Curve Pod. We would love it, love it, love it if you would leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts and share us with your friends. We love y'all and have a great week.